Thank you, Lord. Let's all stand in worship. The Lord is good and his love endures forever. Father God, we set our hearts on you. We set our minds on you this morning for you are worthy, God. There is none like you in heaven and on the earth, Lord. You are great and you do good things, Lord, Father God. We welcome you into this place. Father God, we lay ourselves down before you and just ask that you have your way this morning and as we leave from this place after service, Father God, that our lives reflect your glory, Lord. That our lives reflect your goodness, God. Wherever we go, we bring the Spirit of the Lord with us. We bring your presence there with us, Lord, in every situation. So, Father God, I thank you that you are with us, that you are still Emmanuel in the middle of the year, God. You are with us and you are good. And we just lift our eyes to you this morning. We set our eyes on you, Father God. And we thank you that nothing is impossible for you. And so nothing is impossible for us who believe, Lord who take you at your word, and we stand on your word this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Sing through you. I believe I can do 
podcast to exercise your faith see this song says I'm not going to depend upon what I see or feel now I like that because those are the two dominating factors for us many times is that we have to see to believe it or we have to feel it to believe it there are things in your life and my life right now that the Lord wants us to exercise our faith regarding what is it that he wants you to believe him for that you don't see yet? Now, I can tell you right now, I'm believing God for a full first service and a full second service. But you know what the Lord's doing? He's exercising my faith. And you know why? Because he never wants, I'm just going to tell you a secret. All of you that are here right now that have come early, tell you a secret. He never wants Lynn Willis to preach to a crowd. I always will have an audience of one. No matter how big this crowd is, no matter how big any crowd is, it's always an audience of one. But you know what he's doing? He's saying, exercise your faith. See? Exercise your faith because I have faith that this house will be filled multiple times. But you know what? I don't depend upon what I see. Some of you, I'm just giving you an example. This is my personal example. Now you have some personal example. What is it that you, the Lord's saying, you know what, don't depend upon what you see. I want you to have faith for it. Maybe it's God using you in a way that you haven't yet seen. Do you know what I mean? I haven't yet seen God use me in that way, but I'm going to believe God's going to use me in that way. Maybe it's something in your family. Maybe it's for your child. Maybe you see, maybe your child is in a wayward way, and the Lord says, I want you to see that that child is a man of God. I want you to see that that child is a woman of God. Come on, come on. The Lord is saying, I'm not, you're not going to depend on what you see physically or how you feel about it now you're going to believe why because he can do anything nothing is impossible we're not we're not about singing a song we're about believing the word of the lord and we need to as we sing this song now i want you to exercise your faith i'm going to exercise my faith in other words as i sing i'm targeting 
areas that I'm saying, I'm going to believe God for that. I will not depend on how I, what I see or how I feel. Now let's sing this song again. And let's sing it targeting those areas, believing God. Come on. I'm not going to live by what I see. Oh, no. I'm not going to live by what I feel. Deep down, deep down I know.
disappear I've seen metal plates dissolve Yes, I know that he can do it Yes, I know that he can do it I've seen a real life resurrection I've seen mental health restored Yes, I know that he can Sing it do out. it yes I, know yes, I know that he can do it I've seen families reunited I've seen prodigals I will open my mouth. I will open my mouth. 
miracles break out, yes. When I lift my voice and shout, every wall comes crashing down. I have the authority. Jesus has given me. Has given me 
singing the song, You Are My Champion. I'm not just singing a song. I'm, tell, I'm saying, I'm looking at Jesus. You are my champion. You are my champion. You know, it was interesting because as I was singing that song, I was thinking about when Jesus was here on earth and when he chose his disciples, but he had that inner three people, Peter, James, and John. Remember that? That he would have them come with him into some really interesting times where they would have kind of a front seat to Jesus's, who Jesus was and what he did. And I was just thinking, wow, you know, how would it have been to been that select three, you know, out of the 12 and then you three, you come with me. You three, same three, come with me. He was doing something. He was nurturing them. He was exposing him, them. He was developing them. And I was saying, wow, God, you know, I would hope you would choose me. And the Lord said, I have. And, I, and then he said, and I cho- tell the people I've chosen them. You're the inner three. You're the, that's you. Now, are you listening? Because Jesus is talking to you. He's exposing who he is to us. And the beautiful thing is, is that He went away so that he could send his Holy Spirit so we all could be that inner three, that that intimate exposure to the Lord. And he gave us his Holy Spirit. As you know, Pastor Dave and I will be leaving tonight. And we're going to be gone for a while. And, And as I was praying, the Lord wanted me to say to leave something with you. Leave something with you while we're gone and hopefully even after we're back. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1 says this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, stripping off every unnecessary weight And the sin which so easily and cleverly entangles us. Let us run with endurance and active persistence the race that is set before us. Looking away from all that distracts us. And focusing our eyes on Jesus. Who is the author and perfecter of faith. Who for the joy set before him 
endured the cross, disregarding the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, revealing his deity, his authority, and the completion of his work. This is scripture. Last scripture I'm going to tell you before I go. First of all, if you're having a hard time with endurance and persistence, according to this text, you've probably gotten distracted. Because He, His Holy Spirit, has given to us endurance and persistence at the ability to have endurance and persistence. Now, it's interesting in Hebrews 12:1, it says this, stripping off every unnecessary weight and the sin which so easily entangles. So in other words, some of the things that hold us back are not necessarily sin. It can be sin, but it's not necessarily sin. It could just be extra weight. It's interesting because when you travel, like we're going to be traveling, we're constantly weighing our luggage. Those of you that have traveled with us, we're constantly weighing our luggage. And when it's overweight, we have to go back and go, hmm, what is it that really isn't necessary? There's some things that are absolutely necessary, but there's a lot that's not necessary. And many times we can get unnecessary weight that can entangle us. In this scripture, it says, so easily and cleverly entangles us. If you're having a hard time with perseverance, let's just say it this way. With having energy, spiritual energy. Say, Lord, show me, reveal to me what is entangling me. Reveal to me what is keeping me heavy weighted let us run with endurance and active perseverance the race that is set before us looking away from all that will distract us looking away from all not some things all that will distract us from fixing our eyes on Jesus you know last night I had a dream and in my dream I had my purse and in my purse I had a lot of I had my passport, I had money, I had all this stuff. And this person came up to me and in the dream and he wanted to take my purse and I told him no. But then know what happened in my dream? I got distracted and he took it and he ran with it. And I thought when I woke up, the Lord saying, do not get distracted. There's treasure that you have. Do not get distracted. Are you, do you have anything that's distracting you? You know, the world is constantly trying to distract you from the authenticity of Christ. See, this is about fixing your eyes on Jesus. You know, even the, the political church world, you know what I mean? Like the business of the church, you know what I mean? That's out there can distract you from fixing your eyes on Jesus. So you're fixing your eyes on other things rather than fixing your eyes on Jesus. He's authentic. 
He is irresistible. You know, you'll have conversations with people who will tell you maybe, you know, they're Christians, but they're disenfranchised with the church. They're disoriented about the church and whatever. And some of you I know have these conversations. And they start talking about all the riffraff of church politics or what's out there in the news or whatever you want to say or whatever you want to say that can distract. You know what? Fix your eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. You know what? This scripture goes on and it tells us what Jesus did. He endured the cross for us. And then he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, which revealed his deity, his authority, and his finished work. Why? He did it for us so that when we walk out this life, we walk out in the finished work of Jesus, meaning his authority, his power that he has given to us last Sunday I told you remember your inheritance that you can stand having done all to stand that you are seated with Christ in heavenly places and you can walk by faith and not by sight that's your inheritance Jesus paid for you on the cross so that you can walk in that inheritance which causes you to have the ability to fix your eyes on Jesus Fix your eyes on Jesus. Don't let yourself reach for false power, worldly power to fill you. You know, it's interesting because in the scripture, see what Paul writes in Hebrews is reflected in the book of Acts. See, the, the book of Acts is the stories of the churches coming to being, right? And the letters, the letters that are written in the New Testament are about those churches coming into being and the things that they struggle with. And it's interesting in one of the stories in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 8, this is an example of somebody reaching for power rather than Holy Spirit power. In, the, in Acts chapter 8, there's a story about Simon the sorcerer, and he's identified as a sorcerer, but he's also identified as somebody in the book of Acts that gets saved, that believes on the Lord Jesus Christ. He's in the story. He believes on the Lord Jesus Christ, but there's a problem he faces. And the problem is he can't get filled with the Holy Spirit. Why? Because he's full of another type of power. And Peter identifies that power that he's filled with. You got to get rid of the inferior things. In that scripture, it was you're full of bitterness. Come on, people. The fact is this, how we fix our eyes on Jesus is through the power of the Holy Spirit. We can't be filled. Come back to Hebrews 12. Getting rid of the things that entangle us. Getting rid of the sin that entangles us. Getting rid of other things that so easily entangle us. Right? So that we can persevere. So that we can endure. So that we, and by doing so, we fix our eyes on Jesus. Who has the finished work 
for our lives and we can walk in power. We can walk in authority. We can walk fixing our eyes on Jesus. Peter, fix your eyes on me. You won't fall into the water during the storm. The winds and the waves won't cause you to be distracted when you fix your eyes on me. So the last word I'm going to leave you before we go is fix your eyes on Jesus. There's going to be stuff that's going to come up in your life. It could be personal. It can be community-wide. It could be nationwide, whatever you want to say. Personal, deep down, your own journey. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes. When you start to have weakness, spiritual weakness that comes you can't you don't feel like you can endure you feel like the burden is too heavy jesus said my yoke is easy my burden is light in other words when i start getting super heavy and overwhelmed you know what's happened i left the yoke with jesus leading i want you to stand i'm going to pray for you in the next few weeks while your pastors are gone I just want to leave this word with you fix your eyes on Jesus when you're feeling you know we go through stuff we go through circumstances that challenge us we go through storms fix your eyes on Jesus Lord, I pray over us as a community of faith and every individual here. Lord, you're speaking. We receive this. Pastor David and I, as we journey through our next few weeks, next month or so, fixing our eyes on you. You are the one, the author and the finisher of our faith. And Lord, from you, we receive strength. From you, we have the ability to persevere. From you, we have authority. From you, we have dunamis power. So Lord, we don't reach for the world's power. We don't reach for our self-sufficiency. But Lord, we fix our eyes on you. So beautiful. You're so beautiful. You're so irresistible. And you are there for each one of us. The finished work on the cross was for everyone. And the enemy would like to erode that by getting us distracted. By getting us entangled. And Lord, we're going to fix our eyes on you. And we thank you, Lord. You're so good to your children. In your name, amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Amen. Say amen with me. Come on, Jesus. It's all about him. It's all about him. I want to welcome you. If you're new here, you can fill out a card in the pew in front of you. We have a lot of things going on. We have a lot of ministries now. We're kind of getting back into the swing of things. We have kind of been in the swing, but now... I want to say there's no more excuses, people. <laughs> no more excuses for not being in the swing of things. So this is the time, you know, to, 
to get back involved. Um, so we have a lot of things going on. If you're new or you don't receive our e-newsletter, fill out a card, put your email on there, and you'll get that. That e-newsletter that we send out every Friday is not given to anybody else. It's simply for your information so that you know what's going on. So I want you to do that. Wednesday nights, we have Crossroads Connect. We have women's men and children and youth going on. Please be a part of that if you can. The children, men's, and women start at 7. The youth starts at 6. Let's keep praying for the Ukraine, the situation, the conflict, the war that's over there. Let's pray for the people there, all the people there. Let's pray for uh, the, the believers that are helping the Ukrainian people and the refugees, our partners in Poland, are on the front lines of that. The Chiracs, we've given them uh, quite a bit of uh, financial resources to help with the refugee the refugees that are coming in. And uh, in, a, in a year or two, we'll see how it goes. We're going to be going over there to do some ministry with the women. And I have a feeling that it's going to be now more, there's going to be a lot of Ukrainians a part of that ministry. So um, let's keep that, um, that whole situation in our prayers. Let's not forget to pray. You know, the news kind of explodes things and, and highlights it, and then it kind of tampers off. Let's keep praying for Afghanistan. You know what I'm saying? Let us not forget that what pe people are going through and the sufferings of people, and let's keep praying on behalf. Please keep um, our partners in Nepal and India in your prayers as we uh, journey out. And um, when we get back, we'll report on uh, a lot of that. You can get our sermons on a podcast. You know that e our e-newsletters can tell you which ways to do that on um, all kinds of ways to get our messages. During the next few weeks, what we're going to do is we're going to highlight... Uh, women of the World International Ministry over the next few weeks so that you remember to pray for our team that is uh, on the ground um, in Nepal and in India. So we're going to highlight that and by doing so, remind you to pray for us and um, keep us covered in your prayers. Those of you that were here Wednesday night know more details about things and um, if you weren't there, you can consult somebody that was there on Wednesday, and they'll help you out in that. It's time to give our tithes and offerings. Please come forward. Next week, you, we have guest speaker, uh, Pastor Robert Kofel, my brother. I like to leave you in hands of good people, people that I trust, and I know their lives, not just their word, but their lives. Do you know what I mean? It's fine for a great preacher, but I want to know that in their personal lives, they're living it out. Come on. That's being authentic, right? So the people that we have come to minister to you, we know their personal life so that we know they're living authentically uh, their faith walk. And so he'll be here next week. And so you have something good in store. Let's bow our heads. Lord, we thank you. You're so good to Crossroads. You have blessed us. You have prospered us. You have made us fruitful. And Lord, we ask that you take these tithes and monies and the resources that you have given to us and multiply them for your kingdom in your precious name. Amen. God bless you. You are my champion. Giants fall when you stand undefeated. Every battle you've won. I am who you say. Yeah.
seated right now no where are you seated in the heavenly places with Christ Jesus right you may be seated in Morgan Hill but you're actually seated with Christ in heavenly places amen hey this morning I want to share with you a, a message and you know we're going through this whole series that we, we developed about what we believe because I, I really uh, I want us as a community of faith to know what we believe not just to have kind of a general idea, but to know. And knowledge is not just a superficial thing. It's something that goes really deep in us. And so this morning I want to talk to you about, I believe in the second coming of Christ. And I believe that very uh, seriously that we're in a time globally that I don't think we've ever seen. The, the, the world has never seen anything like what we've seen right now. And, and the, the current global conditions basically tell us things about where we're at in the spectrum of God's timing. You know, we're living in a time of global upheaval, global change. We're not just talking about one country, but basically, uh, you know, I was looking at kind of going through some things and going back to like the early 2000s, actually 2001 when 9-11 happened, it shifted things globally. Uh, and we've seen things happen since then. We've seen a global pandemic. We've had, we've had not just the COVID, but if you remember years ago, there was a thing called SARS. We had all of those things. We have wars. Right now, we're dealing with wars. We're dealing with rumors of war. We're dealing with the potential for all sorts of things happening globally. All of these things, as a believer, shouldn't rock us or shake us. This is just, actually, according to what Scripture says, this is just a fulfillment of what God's Word said was going to happen. And a lot of times as Christians, we get like chicken little and the sky is falling. But the reality is Jesus Christ is in control of things. And every single nation that we, we have on this planet right now is affected in one way or another. And some are more drastically affected than others, but every single nation is affected. And the reality is this. God is in control. He knows what's happening. He's not a, a, a surprised. He doesn't get up in the morning and go, Oy vey, what's happened? I can't believe this is happening in the Ukraine. Uh, that, that wasn't on my radar. God is not like that. You and I may be like that, but God is not. And so it was interesting because if you read through Scripture, and I, I think it's really important for us to use our understanding of the Word of God to filter what we see and hear. Do you hear me? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So when you and I are people of the word, it gets in us and it affects and impacts the way we see things. Listen to what the prophet Isaiah says. The prophet Isaiah, thousands of years ago, in the book of Isaiah, chapter 46, verse 9 and 10, he said this. Remember the former things. Why does he say that? Because I don't know about you, but we forget things, don't we? Yeah. I forget things all the time. And he says, those of long ago, I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. He says it twice because we tend to forget the first thing that's said, right? And then he says, and I make known the end from the beginning. Here's something, this may be revelatory to you, but God doesn't get restricted by time. Right. You know that? 
the beginning and the end are all one to him. It's just, it's a continuum. It's not like we think, well, when does service start and when does it end? No, God is just consistent with him. And he's not surprised by things. And he, listen to what he says. From ancient days, what is still to come. And then he's, I love this. He says, and I, I say, my purpose will stand and I will do all that I please. Let me tell you something. There is not a person, there is not a government, there's not an ideology, there's not a worldview that's gonna change what God's gonna do. God has established it from the foundation of the earth and we're just walking through the process of what he's doing. And he doesn't get startled. He doesn't get confused. He doesn't get worried about things. And as his sons and daughters, we shouldn't be either. Right. You know, it's his, I love this because God's counsel, his plans are going to stand. And we're going to see, someday we're going to look back and we're going to go, oh, wow, I saw how God worked in this and this and this and this and this. We don't have full revelation and understanding right now. We have partial. But someday you will have a full understanding. You know when that's going to be? You're going to be standing in the presence of the Lord and you're going to go, why was I worrying about all that? Right. So listen to what the, the scripture says in the book of Amos, chapter 3, verse 7. This is how God communicates his plans and purposes to his sons and daughters. How many of you are a son or daughter of God? Every one of us? Every one of us? So then he wants to reveal his plans and purposes to you. Listen to what he says in Amos 3, 7. Surely the, the sovereign Lord does nothing without revealing his plans to his servants, the prophets. Well, you can say, well, I'm excluded from that because I don't function as a prophet. I may not have the, the gift of that. But let me tell you another passage. Look what Deuteronomy chapter uh, 29, 29 says. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may follow all the words of this law. So who does this apply to? You and me, and to our children. So your children can hear the word of God, not just from the parental perspective, but on their own personal perspective. And God, God, the one thing about the Lord, the Lord always has some secret things that he hasn't revealed. But when we're close to him, he reveals things to us. He discloses things to us. Let me give you an example of that. The book of Daniel, King Nebuchadnezzar. King Nebuchadnezzar wasn't a follower of God. He was a, a follower of a pagan God. But yet he had a divine dream that God gave him. Let me tell you something. God wants to use you and I when people have an, a, a revelation of something that they don't understand how to interpret. God wants you and I to act like Daniel to interpret it through the lens of Scripture for them so they can have an understanding of what's happening. Does that make sense? Listen to what it says in Daniel chapter 2, verse 34. And while we were watching, a rock was cut out, but not uh, by human hands. It struck the statue on its feet, and the iron and the clay smashed. And then as you drop down to uh, chapter uh, 2, verse 44 and 45, listen to what it says. And in the time of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed. Wow. This is God speaking to a pagan king, telling him about what's going to happen in the future. Here's a revelation. If God can speak to a pagan king that doesn't have a relationship with him, just think what he could do with you when, because you have a relationship with him. And then he says this, uh, nor will it be left to another people. It will crush all the kingdoms and bring them to an end, but it will itself endure forever. So what we're seeing is God is giving Nebuchadnezzar, who was a military strategist and ruler of one of the most powerful nations at the time, 
revelation of what's going to happen in the future. And then he says this in verse 45. This is the meaning of the vision. This is uh, what, what's happening. This is the meaning of the vision of the rock cut out of the mouth, but not to, by human hands, the rock that broke the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, the gold to pieces. The great God has shown the king, Daniel speaking to him, that will take place in the future. The dream is true and its interpretation is trustworthy. You see, Nebuchadnezzar had this revelation and Daniel comes along and says, you had a revelation, you had some sort of divine encounter with God, but let me tell you what it means. You know, God wants you and I to do the same thing today. When we see things in the news and we see things and everyone else is all worried and stressed out, what do we do? We can say, hey, this, let me tell you what God's doing. Let me tell you, you can have peace. You can cast your care upon him. You can, you can trust the Lord because this doesn't surprise the Lord. It may surprise us, but it doesn't surprise the Lord. And Daniel's interpretation basically was a understanding of the prophetic things that were happening in the future. How do we know that? Because he says in the days of these kings uh, that he says that the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed. God's kingdom is never gonna be destroyed, folks. I hate to tell you that. If you're worried that what's gonna happen to the family of God, what's gonna happen to the kingdom of God, what's gonna happen, God's kingdom is never gonna be shaken. You and I can be shaken, but his kingdom can't. And look at, as, as you go through, here's another example. If you go through scripture, the prophecy of the coming of Jesus in scripture there is first coming because we believe that there was, Jesus came on earth when he was born as a child, but we also believe there's a second coming of Christ. In his first coming, there's a solid evidence of over 300 prophecies in the Old Testament proclaiming the coming of Christ. Some, some scholars get up to about 360, 365. Actually, some of them say there's one per day. But it, we have a solid evidence of at least 300 prophetic words that are coming. However, there are even more about his second coming. And as you go through and you read scripture, you see that Jesus has promised to come. He's not going to forsake us. He says he's gone to prepare a place for us. He's going to come back. He's going to judge the heavens and the earth. And then let's look at even the nation of Israel. If you look at the nation of Israel in scripture, there are 16 very specific pointed scriptures that talk about the nation of Israel being established. So as you go back in time and you look at this, you can see how, how, how time is, is, is speaking to the future from the past saying this is what God's going to do. And one of the things God is going to do, he is going to fulfill his plan and purpose. Listen to this in the book of Matthew, chapter 24, verse 36. It says this, but about that day and hour, no one knows. You know, there's a lot of quote-unquote Christian experts telling you when the end's going to be that are making a lot of money on their books and their CDs and their podcasts and about this, about they can tell you without a shadow of a doubt when the day's going to happen. Let me tell you. There's a theological term for that, hogwash. No one knows the time or seasons. We are called to be ready, but we don't know the time of departure. We don't know that for a fact, but God does. Listen to what he says. He says, not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, only one person, God the Father, knows it. And so when we, you hear someone, I, I remember years ago, there was a 1999 reasons why Jesus is coming in 1999. Then he messed up and he says, oh, I forgot one. And then he did a 2000 version because he forgot one. And then he realized in 2001, he forgot another one. And he made, sold book after book after book. And, and people were gullible enough to think, wow, this guy's really true. He knows all the answers. 
Well, there's one verse of Scripture that refutes him. Matthew 24, 36. No one knows it. So what we do, how do, you, how, do you, how do you have a confidence then? Like Pastor Lynn said earlier, you stay close to Jesus. Jesus is not only a human being. He is the word that became flesh and dwells among us. And when you're close to Jesus, he will give you understanding and revelation of things. He will draw you closer to him. And one of the things that he wants to do is Jesus prophesied the end times. Jesus was not just your savior. According to what scripture says, he was a prophet. He was a prophet who came to, be, to, to lead us and guide us into the future. Listen to what the book of Deuteronomy says about Jesus in chapter 18, verse 15. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me among you from your fellow Israelites, and you must listen to him. I love this when I'm talking to a person of the Muslim faith because the Quran tells us, that or tells them, doesn't tell us because I don't listen to the Quran, but the Quran states that the people of, of followers of Muhammad should listen to the people of the book. And so I tell them, Jesus is the prophet. He is the one that God is sending, not someone else. And then in Matthew chapter 12, uh, excuse me, verse 21, verse 11, listen to what it says. And the crowd answers, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth. So if you... Listen to the Old Testament and you listen to the New Testament. They're in, they're in sync with one another that Jesus Christ is a prophet of God. And he came, and one of the things that Jesus did when he was on this earth was he prophesied the destruction of the temple of Israel. Now, you've got to understand that the temple in Israel was a, a, a modern marvel. It was it, the, the disciples and the followers of Christ. It was just a, an enormous uh, a monument. If you go to Israel and you take the tour of the caves underneath the western wall, they have a display in there that they show you the current uh, Dome of the Rock. You know where the Wailing Wall is in Jerusalem? And on top of it, there's the mosque. And they show you that. And then they put over the top of it what it, the temple of Herod must have looked like that during Herod's time, and it is just enormous. The Dome of the Rock is like this big, and the temple of Herod is like this big above it. It was a, a, one of the marvels of the, uh, the ancient world. And what Jesus did is he came and he, he, he spoke about that, and he said there's going to be a time where this is going to be destroyed. And actually the Jews of the day got upset with him. But listen to what happens. As, as Jesus was sitting in, in, with his disciples... He tells them some things about the end times. And one of the things he tells them about the end times is that the temple is going to be destroyed. He says this in Luke chapter 21, verse 20. And when you see Jerusalem being surrounded by armies, you will know that the desolation is near. When did this happen? In 66 to 70 AD, there was a, a time in Jerusalem where one of the, uh, the Roman uh, ruler army, armies led by Vespasian came in and he decimated the temple. And he basically, during that time, he brought in a, a, a military power and he wiped out the country, basically Jewish believers uh, that listened to the prophecy of Jesus speaking about it, left Jerusalem and they moved, they moved to a city called Pella. This is not Pella, Iowa, where Christine de Curtis lives. This is an area east of the, the Galilee uh, region. And Josephus, a, a Jewish antiquity scholar, tells us that the people left Jerusalem and hid there during this time period where the Romans were wiping out Jerusalem. Follow me on this. Why? Many scholars say because they were listening to this prophet called Jesus. Hmm, interesting. So they, they were spared by this, 
and uh, the, the Roman uh, military that was uh, led by uh, Vespasian basically took a little respite and left during a season, went back to Rome. And if you actually tour Rome right now, you can go what they call the Titus Gate. And on the gate uh, that is named after Titus, they have inscriptions of the uh, persecution and the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem. Why is that important? Because Jewish believers felt that the temple was what was the sacred place of God. And what the scripture says, that the prophet Jesus was coming and he was going to replace the temple with his sacrifice. So the sacrifice of Jesus is what believers look for. And one of the things that's amazing about this, when you're listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit, you don't have to be a prepper. You just have to be a person that Listen to the prophetic voice of Jesus. You know, I, I remember in 2000, you remember when 2000, Y2K happened? And, you know, I, I was traveling with the university at the time. We would do uh, concerts and, and recruitments at different churches all over the United States. And I remember I went to one church in Nevada, and, and they said, well, you can get down to the basement, and we have a, a, a meeting where you could change because we're changing from our traveling clothes into our presentation clothes. And we get down to the basement, and the whole basement of this church is filled with water bottles, dehydrated food, t- tents, sterno containers. And I come upstairs, and I ask the pastor, I said, what's going on here? He said, oh, we're, we're, we're preparing for the end times. I'm like, you're, you're a prepper? I mean, I don't know about you, but my scripture says he's going to come and we're going to be taken with him. You know, and if you want to stick around, that, that's your prerogative. But I tell you what, I'm going to listen to what the word of God says. I'm, not a pre- I'm a prepper in the sense of I'm preparing for the Lord coming to take us out of this world in his second coming. And, and how do we know this? Because one of the things that happened, Jesus prophesied that the temple would be trampled by the Gentiles and the Gentiles would come in and take over. That's what happened in, 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 when Vespasian and his, his forces came in. And here's the interesting thing. If you, if you go back and you look at Israel right now, what are some of the prophecies that happened uh, that Israel would become a nation? Well, if you look back in 1948, Israel was established as a nation. And then in 1967, you had the, the, the Seven-Day War, and what happened during that period? The, the, the old city, except for the Temple Mount where the, the mosque is, there was a, a, a revolt and the people came in. And then what happened just a few years ago? The U.S. recognized Jerusalem as the center of Israel, as the capital of Israel. And to a lot of people, that was no big deal, but to everyone in the area around it, it was, because that was prophesied as part of the coming. And if you go to Jerusalem right now, it's, 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 it's a political hub of that part of the world. Why? Because on that very level is where all of the spiritual events happened in history. So what do we see in this? What do we see as we're looking at, at the end times? What is the sign of the end times? You know, I, I, I was prepping for this and prepping, I shouldn't use that word. Uh, I was preparing for this uh, message and I went through and I was looking at some of the teachings that Jesus had. And one of the things that's going to happen in the end times is Jesus tells us that the world is going to fall into an area of deception. Let me tell you, this is why it's so important for you to be people of the word of God. I believe that there is a time, and Scripture tells it, that there will be a time where believers will be deceived about what's happening. And you can see this over and over through history. And we shouldn't be shocked by it. We should just be prepared when it comes that we are people of the Word, and we know what the Word says. So you understand the Bible. Scripture says, be a student of the Word, rightly dividing it. That means understanding what it says personally, not what someone else tells you it means. 
you know? And so listen to what it says in, in Mark chapter 13, verse 15. Jesus said to his disciples, watch out that no one deceives you. Deception is when people don't know the word of God for themselves. And let me tell you something as a pastor, I am amazed at the level of biblical illiteracy in the church today. Yeah. It shocks me. It shocks me when people start talking and they know more about politics, they know more about other things, they know more about all of these things, but when you talk to them the word of God, they're like, uh, they're just clueless. We have to be people of the word. And the word is what gives us stability. And you know what's interesting is, if you, how do you study a counterfeit? You don't spend all your time on the counterfeit, you spend your time on the authentic. If you go to a bank, and if I open my wallet here, and I pull out some money, and I pull out, I have some money I'm taking with us. This. this is someone gave me a gift for someone. Here's a $100 bill. How do you know this is fake? Well, there's certain things you look at that when it's real. You look at the blue line in it, you hold it up, you see the numbers in it, you see all the symbols in it, you feel the paper, and you know you felt enough of the real to know what the counterfeit is. And, and the problem with too many Christians, they're studying all the counterfeits and they're not studying the real. God wants you to study him and his word so that when a counterfeit comes up, you don't have to say, I, I may not know this, the verse and, 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 and reference it, but that's not accurate. That's not in alignment with the word of God. Why? Because you know the truth. And what happens when you know the truth? The truth is going to set you free. You're not going to be suckered into to delusions and deception. And what is deception? Deception is a tweaking and a distortion of the real just enough to get you off track. Your spiritual trajectory, just by one degree off, is going to take you to a different place. And God wants us and warns us to be careful of that, to warns us to be careful of what's going to happen. Another thing that Jesus warns us about is this. He says, there's going to be a time where it's the beginning of the sorrows. In Matthew 24, verse 8, it says this. And all these things are at the beginning of birth pains. Now, all of you ladies that have had children, you know the beginning of birth pains, right? We don't have to explain that to you. But for the sake of us guys in the room that are a little bit clueless of what it feels like, let me just go through and explain what Scripture talks about. It says that the beginning is the, 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 the start of it, the series of events that are going to happen. And then the birth pangs, what are they? That's, that's the labor coming forth. And that's what we're seeing in the earth right now. We're seeing signs and symptoms of the coming of the end. And when you see them, you can go, ah, that's what Scripture's talking about. That's what the word of God is declaring. And the birth pains described by Jesus are the signs of the ends of the time. And what are they? Look at Matthew chapter 24, verse 6 and 7. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. How many have heard that? Yeah. You know, you read the news, you turn on the news, you're hearing it right now. But see it that you are not alarmed. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. What does the scripture say? Don't be alarmed when you see that. Yeah. Yeah. All right? Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. This isn't the end, but that is a sign. It's a birth pain. It's a labor pain of what's going to happen. And then in verse 27, it says this, and nation will rise up against nation. We're seeing that right now, correct? And kingdom against kingdom. What's the difference between a nation and a kingdom? 
A nation is a geographical area. A kingdom is more of an ethn ethnic ethical or ethnical, get my words right, uh, uh, environment. So you have different rules. So let me give you an example. There are political kingdoms, that uh, wars that came up, like World War I, World War II, were political. But what happens when you get into some of the, the more recent conflicts? You know, you could talk about even the Armenian conflict. You could talk about the Jews in, in, in 1941. You could talk about the, the battle over Kashmir between uh, Pakistan and India and China and that whole area. You could talk about the Afghani conflict. You could talk about Somalia, Rwanda, Uganda, the Congo, Iraq, Sudan. You name the conflict that we've had. And they're usually about... A, a nation, an ethnos, one nation going against another. Even in Africa, you have the, the different tribal groups going against one another. What we see there is most of the, the conflicts that we're seeing right now are ethnic or religious people fighting against one another. And they're the different styles of what, what Jesus was talking about. He says that's going to be one of the first signs you're going to see when the birth pains are coming. The second sign is this, and this is something that you, if, if you're not aware of it, you need to be aware of it. There is a global hatred against Christians. Yeah. And I'm not just talking political Christians here. Let me, let me define that. I'm talking about people who are truly followers of Jesus Christ. There is a global persecution, probably more so than you've ever seen any time in the history. It, and and we're, we're not getting a lot of information in the media about that because they don't want to highlight that. But I can tell you, we can take you to places, people we've known personally that will tell you we've had friends martyred. I got a text message one day and I opened it and it was a, a picture of a pastor that had been chopped up by a machete and it wasn't sugar-coated. It was him laying in the street, all hacked up, blood all over the place. It was like a crime scene. Someone that we knew that one of the persons they were working with was actually martyred for their faith. And we're seeing this over and over. Listen to what scripture says. In Matthew 24, verse 9, then you will be handed over to be persecuted. Sorry, this is not everything lives and you're all going to be happy ever after. The end times for believers, there's going to be persecution. And let me tell you, it's not about wearing a mask. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the Christians in America that are complaining about wearing a mask, personally, I don't like a mask. I'm a little bit claustrophobic. But, you know, the good thing about a mask is my cardio from the gym has gotten really better from a year and a half of wearing a mask. So there is a benefit of it, you know? But that's not persecution. Persecution is when you're beaten and you're stoned and you're assaulted and you're raped and your homes are burnt down and your cars are destroyed. That's persecution. And what we're seeing globally, this is happening. And the persecution of the church is, 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 is diminished by the media. And there's genocide happening all over the world. And, and Christians that are so self-absorbed can't get over it, can't see that. And that's why we need to be praying for our brothers and sisters in parts of the world where I'm, we know stories of people having boiling oil poured down their throat because they refuse to uh, renounce the gospel of Jesus Christ. So what happens? That's another sign you're going to see. There's another thing that's going to happen too, and this is, I, I really... I've noticed it in our culture specifically. I can't speak to other cultures because I'm not part of that, but I understand this in the American culture. There is a real hatred, and I almost want to call it a spirit of hatred that's been released. It's like a, a portal's been opened of hatred. And, uh, you know, right now the big buzzword is, is what they call hate speech. And I, I think I have a slide of this, what hate speech is. This is according to Cambridge Dictionary. Hate speech is public speech 
that expresses hate or encourages violence towards a person, a group, based on something such as race, religion, sex, or sexual orientation. So hate speech is, is really popular right now. But one of the things that's amazing is the, def the definition of hate speech has been changed in our culture to address values that are somewhat more conservative or Christian. And some of the things that you're seeing is that if you express those values, you know, remember, one of these things is based upon your, your religion and your faith. Our faith says certain things are sacred and holy. Right. However, if you say that to the general public, that's hate speech. I can't speak about what I believe, but I have to embrace what you believe that is totally contrary to what my word says, the word of God says. And what we're seeing is this is happening, it's, it's accelerating. And, and one of the things that has happened, and let me, let me say this is why as a, as a body of believers, we will not endorse a political party from this pulpit. I hate to tell you, if you're looking for someone to do that, find another church. Because political ideologies conflict the word of God. There are good things in both parties and there's bad things in both parties. And we are gonna be rooted on the word of God, not a political party. And I tell you, Jesus loves, loves people and when you start using hate speech and using your Christianity to destroy other people because you disagree with them, you are not walking in the fullness of the spirit. I hate to tell you that. And, and we, we will be a church that embraces everybody because we want to stand on the word of God. And when, when we're dealing with this culture, one of the things you're seeing in our culture, man, rage is just the, is the, is the new fad. Yeah. You know, I disagree with you. Let me tear your head off and destroy you on social media because you don't agree the same way with me. We are not calling people to be echo chambers. We're calling people to be Christ followers. And Christ puts up with the difference. Scripture says, bear one another's burdens, forbear one another, put up with one another. You know, hey, when everyone's the same, it's easy to get along, right? But when, you know, Haley's a little bit different than me, I, I, could, I can get on her. Or when Danny's a little bit different than me, I, I, he, I villainize him. That's not what we're called to do. We're called to love one another. We're called to, to, to pray for one another. We're called to be united in the body of Christ. This isn't even in my notes. I got 11 pages. I'll never get done. So... So what did Jesus, how did Jesus respond to his disciples? How did he teach us? How do we respond to the end times? You see, it's really important for us as followers of Jesus to respond Christ-like, not to respond like our culture, not to respond like people that are trying to egg us on towards things, but we respond like Jesus responded. Remember, you're Christians. A Christian is a follower of Christ. And we have to emulate Christ, not the world around us. Right. And, and I hate to shock you and tell you this, but the world system around us doesn't want you to act like Jesus. Right. They want to get you angry. Right. They want to get you rageful. Right. They want to get you polarizing. Right. They want to get you speaking against other people right. and demonstrating the hatred that they're trying to put on you. And I tell you, if you don't believe that, look at what's happening on social media and then look what's happening in the Word of God. They are mutually exclusive. You know, one of the best decisions my wife and I made, turn off the news. I tell you, there is, it's just, it's like poking a bear. 
You know, they're, they're just divisive. They want you to get stirred up about something, and if they can't stir you up, they're going to keep a story going until it's, it's dead and gone, and then they're going to bring up another thing that's going to stir you up. Step back, spend the time you normally spend watching the news or online, and get into the Word of God, and let the Word of God transform you. How? By the renewing of your mind. You know, I heard someone years ago tell me, oh, you're a Christian, you're being brainwashed. Yeah, well, there's a lot of garbage going into my brain. It needs to be washed. Sometimes it needs to be pressure washed. I need to just spend intense times in the Word just to get all the filth of the world out of me. And so what does the Word say? This is how Jesus taught his disciples to respond. Look at Luke chapter 6, verse 22 and 23. Blessed, how many of you want to be blessed? Good. Blessed are you when people hate you. Wait a minute there, Pastor. I didn't sign up for this. But the truth of the matter is people are going to hate you, not because of you, because of Christ in you. Because you stand in, in polar contrast to their worldview. And Jesus says, if you love me, I hate to tell you, an occupational hazard of being a follower of Christ is people aren't going to like you. They may not like you because you may have a Christian thing on your shirt. You may wear a cross. And people will not like you for that very reason. They know nothing about you, but they don't like you because you stand for Christ. That's a sign of the end times, folks. I hate to tell you. When they exclude you and insult you and reject your name as evil because, why? Not because of you, but because of the Son of Man. And then I love what Jesus says. He says, Hey, if that happens to you, now let me time out here. This is not when you're doing something stupid and people reject you. Okay, there's a difference. That's, that's on you. That, don't put that on Jesus. Okay, you do something stupid and people hate you, that you, you sowed and you're reaping. But when you're doing it for the Lord, he says this, but rejoice in verse 23, that in that day and leap for joy. Basically, that's woo, happy. You know why? Because I'm getting persecuted for Christ in me, not because David did something stupid. Okay? And he says, because great is your reward in heaven. For that is how their ancestors treated the prophets. You know? Oh, Lord, let me be a prophet. Old Testament kind. Not the New Testament. They put him in logs and saw him in two. But I want the Old Testament kind where they do deliverance and miracles. You you can't have one without the other, folks. And then look what he says in Matthew chapter 5. But I tell you, this this is where the rubber hits the road in your faith. You want to be a follower of Jesus? Love your enemies. Wait a minute, but I heard a talk guy on on television. He's got a bigger church than you, Pastor. He told me I should hate these people and I should protest them and I should should protest and I should throw things at them. That's not the word of God, folks. Hate to tell you. Jesus says, love those who persecute you. Why? Because that develops the fruit of the Spirit in your life. And remember, I don't know about you. Let me tell you about me. Jesus is trying to crucify me every day so that David could die and Jesus could live through me. And that's crucifixion of the flesh. How many of you enjoy being insulted and persecuted? Okay, we have a therapist in the lobby that'll see you right after service, okay? None of us enjoy that. But the truth is, as a believer, if we're truly standing up for the kingdom of heaven, we're in contrast with the kingdom of this world. And and then Jesus says, listen to another thing he says. Here is another sign that you could tell the end times are coming. That Christians... There's going to be offense and hatred among Christians. Look at Matthew chapter 24, verse 10. And at that time, many will turn away from their faith and will betray and hate each other. This is not talking about hating other people. 
This is about people who once walked in the knowledge and revelation of who Christ is, have turned and now begin to hate those that were part of their community. Okay? My, one of my concerns with this whole global situation with COVID is I'm seeing a lot of Christians getting isolated and choosing sides where they're, they're defriending people, they're stopping going to church, they're stopping fellowshipping, they're stopping doing all these things because someone is different than them. Wake up. We are all different. Look in the mirror. If you all look like me in the morning, you'd shock. You'd have a heart attack. You know, you walked in, you know, Dave, just think if Dave walked in the, in the morning and, and looked at a beautiful mustache and beautiful hair and he walked in and saw me in the morning, Bevan would be there with the paddles on him first thing, you know. That's, none of us are called to be the same. We're called to be different. That's the beauty of the kingdom of God. And one of the things that Jesus says is there is going to be a fence. And what, what happens when people are offended? There's distance between us. And there's not just distance between us ideologically, but there's different distance between us relationally. Yeah. We don't want to have fellowship with one another. We don't want to have communion with one another. And communion is just not the cup and the wafer. It's how we interact with one another. Look what Proverbs says in Proverbs 18, verse 1. An unfriendly person pursues selfish ends. Isolation is a selfish end. And against sound judgment starts quarrels. So what is sound judgment? Not having the mind of Christ. And when you isolate yourself, you get in this, 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 this downward spiral where you just start thinking that everyone's against you and everyone's pulling against you when the reality is they're just trying to help you grow in your faith. And what happens is they start quarrels. What is a quarrel? Isolation, they isolate you and they isolate others. And what God wants us to do is be united in Christ to be one. Although we are many, the, the body is many different parts, but we function as one. And then comes deception. Deception is basically where you can't see what's going on because you're so blinded by your own thoughts. And in 1 John, he says, listen to, listen to this is what 1 John chapter 2.11 says. If anyone hates a brother or a sister, they're in darkness and walks around in darkness. They do not know where they are or where they're going because their darkness has blinded them. Have you ever lost sight? Maybe you had, you had vision problems. Maybe you had an eye problem. You had to wear a patch and your, your, your perception has changed. That's what it's talking about here. When you isolate yourself, you get a distortion of reality. That's why scripture says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together, which is a custom of some. And I tell you, COVID has been a great excuse not to come together. I hear all the time people, well, we're, we're just not comfortable going to church. Walmart's okay, Costco's okay, eating out okay, I'll go to a ball game, that's okay. But something about coming into the kingdom of God and sitting in the community of faith with brothers and sisters, I just have a real problem with. Yeah. Well, let me tell you, I have a real problem with something too. And that's the fact that you're trying to isolate yourself from the community and then you wonder why no one contacts you. Ooh, get off that soapbox, Pastor. Because I've seen the spiritual devastation it's done to people. I see the mental health issues it's done to people. And we want to be people who are holistic in our understanding of faith. And then what happens? Well, defilement ends up and starts being critical, gospel, destructive talk about people. Well, I don't go to that church because they wore masks, and I didn't believe in wearing masks. And then you get their next-door neighbor saying, I didn't go to that church because they, they, they wore masks and, 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 or didn't wear masks, and I, I wanted to wear a mask. And then you get, well, they didn't have the right hand sanitizer in the lobby, and they didn't have the right signage, and then, and then they're following the government. They're following out the word of God. Whoa, it's like, hello. Crucify yourself. I, I, don't wear a, I didn't wear a mask because I felt it was good for me. I just didn't want to get you sick. 
And I've been tested probably 25 times for COVID. I just got tested the other day. And yes, my wife says, proves the fact, Pastor, you're negative. Okay? So it's not about those. We, we do things for the sake of others. And so many times believers, they want to just polarize people and villainize them. So why? So that they look bad and we look good. And the truth is, when you do that, you're betraying the gospel of Jesus Christ. Oh, we're getting off on all kind of tangents today, aren't we? And then what happens, Luke 21, 16 says, not only did they betray one another, but they, they betray their parents, brothers and sisters, relatives, friends. And some of those are going to be put to death. That's, that's a sign of the end times. People betraying one another. So how do we respond? You know, that's the gloom and despair side of it. But how do we respond? Matthew chapter 16, verse 17 says this, For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then you will reward each person according to what they've done. How many of you like getting rewards? I love this last couple weeks pulling into the gas pump and realizing I got 10 cents off a gallon. In the past, it didn't really bother me, but right now it does, especially driving a truck. You know, A reward is a benefit you get by association. You stay so many nights at a hotel, you get a free night. You rent a car so many times, you get a free rental. You, you buy a certain thing, you get a discount. That is a reward. And the reward for the believer is when you and I are following Christ, there is a reward for his kingdom that's going to be manifested in our lives, in our relationships. It trickles down from family to children, to grandchildren, to nephews, nieces, to neighbors. All of that is a reward according to what? According to scripture, according to what they have done. When you love one another, when you're practicing faith with one another, when you're encouraging one another, that's what is the fruit of being a true Christian. You know? Listen to what James, the brother of Jesus, said in James chapter 1, verse 12. Blessed is the one who perseveres under what? Trial. Because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised for those who love him. You know? I want to I finish well. I mean, one of the things, my, my studies, my doctoral research was in how do ministers finish well? What, what does it take to finish well as a pastor? The same thing as it does to finish well as a believer, that you keep in love with Jesus, you keep your focus on Jesus, that you don't allow the distractions of the world. A lot of times, you know, horses, when they're running a race, what do they have to do? They have to put blinders on. Why? So that the, 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 the horses on either side don't distract them, so they turn their head and lose the edge in a race. Well, a lot of times as believers, what we need to do is put our blinders on and say, Lord, let me see Jesus. Let me see how you want me to respond. So what is the Holy Spirit saying to you about this message right now? What is the Holy Spirit, how is he addressing things in your life about how you're living? Are you living according to the word of God? Is Christ the filter which you view everything through? Is he the one that you see things through? Are there, are there areas in your life that the Holy Spirit's stirring you as you come in and listen to this? You know, a lot of times people want, they want a definitive date of when the end time is going to happen. It, 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 you can't get that. The only way you can get it is staying close to Jesus. And like he tells the story of the, 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 the bridesmaids waiting for the, the groom to come and half of them were ready, half of them were prepared, and the other half were off doing other things. And he says, always keep your lamps burning well. Why? And that's talking about studying, about the lamp represented knowledge and getting into the word of God and, and keeping an awareness of what the time is. He says, that's what you're doing. Let me ask you this. Are you living in fear? You know? 
if you're living in fear about what the world's going to be, you're not living in perfect love because perfect love casts out fear. Faith overcomes fear. And if you're dealing with issues of fear and worry and anxiety and stress about where the world's at, you need to just get a baptism of, of love from Jesus. You need to just fall back in love with the Lord and say, Lord, I, I, I've been listening to the wrong gospel. I've been listening to the gospel of the world. I've been listening to the gospel of friends that don't know you. Or I'm listening to the gospel of some religious spirit that wants to try to convert me to their ideology. But I haven't been listening to your word. Teach me what your word says. And then, and, and then do this. The, this is how, if you want a key to the end times, this is how I would say, as, as a, a believer, you should act. One, stay in love with Jesus Christ. That is the, the, the antidote for any of this. And not just in love with the Jesus of the person of Jesus, but what does Scripture describe Jesus as? That the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So if you want to stay in love with Jesus, you have to be people of his word. You have to be people of the Bible. You have to be people who understand scripture and rightly divide it. So when someone says something to you, you could say, you know, that's not accurate. That's not truly how a follower of Christ should act. If you're all stressed out and worried and all that, that's not a fruit of the spirit, folks. I hate to tell you. Worry has never been a fruit of the spirit. Okay. That may be a fruit of your flesh. Well, blame it on your family of origin. Blame it on something else. But that's not, you've been, you're a new creation. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. Fall in love with Jesus. And the second thing, ask God for divine inspiration and divine understanding. Daniel did it. And Daniel was an interpreter of the word. If you go through scripture, you see example after example about people who are remove themselves from all of the, the chatter. I don't know if you've ever been in a place where there's so many ambient sounds coming in you can't think. You know, we went out for dinner last night and, and we, we had our, 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 the last supper. It was steak. Because it's going to be a long time before we have a steak. And we don't usually eat steak. And it was a long time before we're going to have a, a really good salad. So we had salad and steak for dinner. And the whole time... There was someone at the table because the restaurant we were at, there was a long table with a wall between us. But I think someone was doing calisthenics in the booth next to us. And I was just tired. It had been a long two weeks, and the table was just bouncing. And, and I, 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 had, I just sat there and was like, just, Lord, give me peace. You know? And as he's saying that, the Lord's saying, I'm working on the fruit of the Spirit in your life. How's it taste? Tastes like blue cheese dressing. <laughs> you know? But you got to focus in on what the Lord wants you to do. Block out the distractions. You know, I find believers that are always immersing themselves in the news, always immersing themselves in, in social media, they're people that usually aren't in the Word. And whatever you're going to feed yourself on is what you're going to become. So Lord, right now, we just pray. Father, we don't know. Scripture says we do not know the end of time. But we do know the one that holds it in his hand. And Father, I pray for each and every person that is here, each and every person listening to this, that Father, your Holy Spirit would draw us into a deeper, more intimate relationship with you. I pray, Father, that your Holy Spirit would speak tenderly and softly to our hearts. I pray that, Father, the peace of God would pass all of our understanding. I pray that the, the, the words of Scripture to expect things happening, don't be shocked by them, Lord, would be something that doesn't cause more anxiety, but reduces our stress and anxiety. 
And I pray just like in, in the book of Deuteronomy where you said you will reveal things that belong to you to, to your children and their children's children forever. That God, we could just have a peace that passes understanding for this. I pray that each and every one of us would fall deeper in love with you, deeper in love with your written word, deeper in love with the truth of who Jesus Christ is and how we should treat one another and love one another and respect one another. And Father, I pray that the Holy Spirit would just take the words and say, Lord, let me look to the scriptures. And what does the scripture say about Jesus coming? I think of the Old Testament Psalm that says, I look to the hills from whence cometh my help. Where does my help come from? It comes from the Lord. And Father, I pray for each and every one that you would just baptize us anew with love, baptize us anew with a passion for you and your word, baptize us anew with a, a baptism of trust and not fear or worry or anxiety, and that, God, we would be able to cast all of our cares upon you. Why? Because Scripture says you care for us. So, Father, right now, I just pray you would solidify this word in our hearts and our spirits and our minds. And, Lord, you would release in us an incredible trust in you because of your incredible love for us. In Christ's name we ask. Amen. Stand with us as we uh, worship. Jesus, we love you. thing that I have to ask, are you ready for his coming? I got to ask that. Check your heart. Are you ready? Are you ready? Have you gotten a little distracted? You know, a lot of times I find people wanting to push away the signs of the second coming because they're not ready. They're afraid. They're afraid that Jesus is going to come. And the fact is this, you cannot push away what's going on because Jesus said this will happen this will happen now what are you going to do with it I'm going to be ready I'm going to be ready I'm going to be close to you if you're not ready this is the moment for you to just say Jesus I fix my eyes on you I've gotten distracted if you never received Christ just all you have to do is say Jesus I believe what you did on the cross for me, you are, I forgive me of my sins, and I receive you into my heart. Make it simple. We have a prayer team over here that's available. Listen, don't leave this place if you have any insecurity about your walk with the Lord. Do not leave this place. Get it right. You don't know. We don't know the time, the time that he will come. But I'm going to tell, tell you this. Just be ready. Just be ready. You know, it's, it's interesting because people say, well, if I knew Jesus was coming tomorrow, then I would do this. You know what? I'm going to tell you, you should live a life 
like Jesus is coming tomorrow. Whatever you're doing today should be as if Jesus is coming. Be ready. If you're not, take some time before you leave and get ready. And I think even coming to our prayer team and just covenant. You know, it's something about when we verbalize something. There's a covenant that happens. There's a commitment. A lot of times when we keep it private, then the enemy comes and says, well, that's not real. And he picks at it. But we covenant make. When we declare and decree, we confess, we state. I want to encourage you. You know, we wouldn't be very good pastors if we didn't bring you to this point and say, are you ready? I want to know my children are ready. Before I am flying out today, I called, FaceTimed every one of my children. Eye to eye, face to face. Because, you know, you never know. I want to make sure that they're walking the way that they're walking with the Lord. Why am I saying this to you? I don't know. I I don't know what tomorrow holds. But I know one thing. I want to be close to Him. So no matter what it holds, I'm with Him. And that's why our love for you, that's what we desire for you. We're not going to be afraid of the times. We're not going to be anxious about the times. What we're going to do is just stay close to Jesus. Because you know what? Along with the negatives is going to come a great harvest of souls. And that's what we're going to fix our eyes on is, Jesus, you have people that are going to draw, be drawn to you during this time. And we're going to be out there being fishers of men. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for all of your word. Not just cherry pick what we want. But Lord, we thank you for your word that you told us the truth about the way it was going to look. And Lord, we do see the signs. And those signs are not just subtle. They're obvious now in 2022. They're highlighted. We see them. We will not ignore them. And Lord, we'll be like the virgins with the oil in our lamps. We're going to keep the oil burning. We're going to keep full of your Holy Spirit. We're going to keep full of your word. We are waiting. We are watching. And we are active on your behalf. And Lord, I pray over us, those of us that can say, yes, I do know that I'm right. Lord, may we be helping others become right with you. May we be people who are drawing people towards Jesus, towards you, Lord, so that they also can say, I'm ready. May we have hearts of compassion and love for people around us that are hurting that may be feeling fearful, may be feeling anxious. May we reach out to them and love them and show them your love, show them your heart, drawing them to your side. We thank you, Lord, for your word in your name. Amen. God bless you. I'll see you in about a month. And uh, please be here for our guest speakers. If you need prayer, we have a prayer team available. Our affection, our devotion, poured out on the feet of Jesus. Our affection, our devotion, poured out on the feet of Jesus. Our affection.
Oh 